Larry kept pushing me around. So now I'm in the cold room. M&M. Yet a green one with no green that. M&M's. No green M&M's. I've or is it you, just green M&M's? I have some M&M's. Welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAP Sloop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and autumn is your favorite time of the year because all the leaves turn from green to maize. Though after this weekend, she may be a little blue. It's Steffi Light. Larry, that was very low. And she's possibly the most important guest we've ever had on the pod because she's my boss. It's Ginger Smith. (laughs) So before the interrogation begins, we must reveal this week's TCAP's loop, moment of zen. The single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. George Bernard Shaw. So good morning, all. Yeah, there we go. Wow. You know, the first question I have for you guys is, what did you think of our first snowy northern Michigan morning? It was beautiful. I do like the snow, but I was surprised. It was more snow than I expected. Amen. I had to, I've been telling myself for the past month to embrace the cold, to embrace the cold. And it turns out the first, when I first looked out this morning, I was not embracing the cold. I was <laughs> I just told the dog to go out on its own and I'll stay inside and get your business done. Um, this though is the very first time I have my snow tires on already. Got them on yesterday. Great Good timing. Job. Right. I know that never happens. Mine are on back order. And not only that, but right now with how difficult it is to get items, like what does back order mean? I mean, (laughs) soon? I don't know. I had some appliances that were on back order for nine months. So yes, June it might be. Well, with the weather so strange, we could have snow in June. To be fair, you know, Ginger, you, you've you've moved up here. This is your first northern Michigan winter, I, I do believe. So you're used to having like another month before you have to start worrying about this stuff. Well, really, downstate, it's never really a worry for more than one day at a shot. You can get dumped on, but then it all melts. So you might have a day here and there. Now, I did live in the UP for seven years. Oh, so that pro. Well, that was legit, but there, what was nice was the snow wouldn't ever melt. And so the roads were just packed down snow. It was never icy. It was just pure snow. So I'm, I'm a little nervous about all the winding hilly roads that you see throughout Traverse City, because that to me is, is kind of the fear, like how the road ends at the bay. So will I end in the bay is is kind of my top concern. So. Where in the UP were you? I was in Marquette. So I went to Northern Michigan University. And then after I graduated, I stayed up there. Absolutely loved living up there because of all the nature that you're surrounded by. So I'm, I'm excited about that being in Traverse City is you get a lot of that feeling back where you can just kind of, you know, move away from your home for five minutes and you're suddenly immersed in nature. Love that. Our cat is gorgeous. Yes. But we're so fortunate with what we have around here too. That was one of my questions. So Traverse City, have you 
have you found favorite places in Travers, maybe in nature and things in town? Like, have you found favorite spots yet? I have loved Palmer Woods for mountain biking. I think that they have a beautiful setup there. So that has been a yay moment. I did have some good burgers at Slabtown. So good. Yeah. So I have not gone to Red Ginger yet, but um, that is on my list of soon to be probably one of my favorites just because I love sushi. So waiting to go there. But yeah, so far the food has been phenomenal. And yeah, I've had some great hikes. Pyramid Point was beautiful. Saw a really cool park that was all rocks, but I can't remember what it was called. And that was way up towards the tip of Leelanau Peninsula. So I've got a lot to explore yet. That's great. Um, So you mentioned mountain biking. Are you doing the Iceman this weekend? No. No. (laughs) Hashtag goals, but no. Okay. So can I ask a couple work questions? You can try. For our listeners, like, I think it would be great to just hear about, like, what is the parts of your job? What roles do you play in TCAPS? And what are some of your primary focuses? Because I know you have a lot on your job description. Basically, uh, we're looking at internal communications and external communications. So from an external standpoint, ensuring that we have a steady flow of press releases going out about all the great things that are happening at TCAPS, Um, ensuring we have a good marketing strategy for advertising, and uh, ensuring that we have clear and concise messaging through our website. And currently, that is one thing that I'm really trying to evaluate and redesign within the platform that it's currently set up as. I don't need to make it too difficult right now, but I think there's a lot of room for improvement. And social media, you know, keeping an eye on that and trying to build that in a more positive light. And working with those within my department just to ensure that we have a broad mix of all different forms of uh, creative outlets, you know, uh, photography and video and newsletters and just staying on top of it. And then from an internal standpoint, seeing what we can do to better communicate from building to building and providing opportunities for staff to just feel more connected, not only to others within their building, but Uh, building to building and also just from the district perspective and just trying to take down some of those barriers uh, that have just unfortunately been built over time and trying to take those down and and make it feel as though we're all here for the same reason and working towards the same goal of educating kids, doing what we can to improving the uh, education system for our community. Well, and then our district is obviously large in student size as well as physical space, right? Like mm-hmm. we're such a big district. Absolutely. And, and Larry, you, as you mentioned, work with Ginger. So where do you overlap? To keep it unbelievably simple, she tells me to make pretty pictures and I try <laughs> to make pretty pictures. That's, that's really what it comes down to. And every now and then she tells me to make them move. Yes. And then I try to make them move. Just Boil it down to the essence. Exactly. You know, in the end, we're all, I think we're all trying to communicate what's happening within our school system and letting our, our community know 
that their their kids are in good hands and that the education process is strong and healthy for them and, and safe. And I think that's the the important goal. You know, I guess, Ginger, my question is, you know, coming out of college, were you going to school for communications? And then why did you choose public schools? Oh, good question. So yes, I my degree is public relations and my minor is marketing. So I, I lined up quite well with actually using my degree for communications, which I know a lot of times isn't the case. So I am excited by the fact that it worked out in that way. I did start my career in education for a charter school, Black River Public School in Holland, and that is chartered by Grand Valley State University. So that, although a public school was not part of like the MIPSERS, the actual public school system that most public schools fall under, And I did that for nine years. And the difference with that is you don't have the millage funding base. So I did all the development and fundraising for that. Um, They did receive the per pupil stipend from the state, but no millage funding. So we did do a lot of that. So that was one thing that was quite different when I switched over to Zealand Public Schools. And, you know, the public school system, once I was in it, I realized that there's a lot of benefits in the fact that your retirement can build from one district to the next. And so that kind of became my uh, cusp, so to speak, in terms of, all right, as I grow in my own career, you know, do I want to look at a private school or a public school? And it simply just made sense from a retirement standpoint to really stick with the public school system. I also truly believe in the pub- in public schools. I'm a product of public schools. My children attend public schools. So, you know, anytime we can provide free education is it's a win for all. And um, and I strongly believe in the power of education. And so it just all kind of boils down to why I love being a part of it and helping kids. It's great. Can I ask about the strategic planning process that's going on now? Sure. Um, The strategic plan, I know that there's a lot of opportunity for community input and there's a lot of focus groups taking place. Can you just tell us like where we are in that timeline and what that looks like moving forward? Sure. So about two weeks ago, we began with focus groups. They are all being monitored through uh, Northwest Educational Services. We started with 24 focus groups. We have since added a few extra, just trying to get additional input. So our last four focus groups are being held tomorrow, and that will wrap up the data collecting. At that point, they will take that data and build a survey. And that survey will become a public survey and will go out. All the data collected between those two pieces will be presented to the Board of Education in February. At that point, the board will try to narrow it down and work in smaller groups and study sessions with the goal of having a plan in place by May and then beginning in September of 2022. So it must be exciting to be new to the district and then this new process happening 
trying to get input from all stakeholders and not that this isn't something that we've we've done this before but it's i think the timing is great for you because you'll be so involved in this process and you know taking care of how that plan will come to fruition have you had that experience before i'm sure you've done a lot of strategic planning in other districts but is this process similar to what you've done is it different in some ways Yeah, there's a lot of similarities between the strategic plan and others that I've been a part of. So that that is kind of nice in the sense that it's not a foreign experience for me, but it's also exciting to see the differences from one community to the next in terms of priorities, both some items that are very similar from one community to the next, and then others that are a little more specific to one community or the other. But the basic idea of how the information is collected and the process that it goes through, uh, yeah, is similar. As, as somebody new to the area, what have you learned or have you learned something new about the area through the strategic planning process? Or has there been something that surprised you? That is a good question. Do we get to let me think about that one? Yeah. Can we go back to the Halloween <laughs> Back to corn candy and peanuts. AKA trail mix. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where we will be in a year, you know, to see how will we grow? How will we change through this experience once some of these hot topics start to settle down and um, what will that new norm be? Because I can't really say as though we will ever return to normal. I don't know that 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 exists anymore from what we knew to be the norm, but I'm excited to see what the new norm is and to see how the general climate of of this community is. I was expecting more. I found some new beaches that I didn't know about. That was, that was really where I was, I was kind of going. So you, know, oh, you, kind of took it, you can take it in a different direction entirely. I like that though. You, you had said or mentioned that, you know, you've been through the strategic planning process before in other schools. It's not like a new thing to a school district. However, the strategic planning process may have changed through the years. How has technology affected or changed that strategic planning process? Well, it's not just strategic planning. It is so much to do with all forms of education. And that's, we've learned how to, to do things virtual. I mean, look at our experience that we're having right now. We aren't sitting together and yet we're all so accustomed to meeting in a virtual setting. And even with the strategic planning, we have had, you know, half of our focus groups meet in this way. So I just think that it has really changed the dynamic of so many things to do with education and meetings in general, to be able to be virtual and to have everyone of all ages be able to have a new level of confidence with working virtually. And some of the intense interest in what's happening in schools in some ways, you could say the the heightened political climate. I mean, people are more engaged in what's happening in schools, and that is a positive. People are, you know, digging into what's happening in our schools. And, you know, I know that that brings in some strong opinions and strong expressions of those opinions. But to have people 
care about the work that is happening in their community is that is a good thing. Absolutely. I mean, you are talking the basis of public schools is the fact that we are a part of the community. And typically it is so difficult to acquire opinions from all stakeholders. And especially if you're talking about like a bond proposal, how do you engage community members who do not have young children? It's generally difficult. And right now we're hearing from all of the community members. So there is some truth and validity to that. Yeah, on that, how do we leverage that interest in our public schools to bring more resources to our students? How can we improve their educational process with the increased interest? Well, and Larry, can I jump in and just the pandemic as well? As everybody was schooling at home virtually, I just think people learned so much more about what happens and what goes into educating a child in a public school. Mm -hmm. And I hope that the political climate and the pandemic helped Uh, a focus on maybe reimagining how funding can happen and where the priorities are for how we support kids in their education. But, you know, all those other ways, all the things that schools do. So when schools are closed, what is missing for kids? And so many things go on in schools and it's, it's good that people are seeing that. It's a good point, Stephanie. We saw it firsthand when the pandemic first started and we thought, oh my goodness, how are all these children going to eat, right? So, so many of us in the community take for granted the fact that if there isn't school, it's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal to many, many families because that is where the children get their meals. And so it was really interesting to see how communities would come together to address those basic needs when suddenly you couldn't rely on the school to do it all for the community. I think it was an eye opener to the general public to see how much does happen through the public school system. Real quick, when we talked with Bob Hicks, who's retiring about some of his early experiences and how things have changed, I know tech would be a big part for your position as well. I mean, I I had an experience, I interned as a in PR. And my job for four hours a day was to read all the major newspapers and cut the articles out that mentioned our clients. So, and then put them on a piece of paper and copy them and send them around. Like so much of that kind of process has changed with your, all of our roles, but is there something that you think about that you did like when you started that is so foreign to think about now? Fax and was, I, was, I was going to say faxing, maybe a press release. Yeah. <laughs> Polaroid pictures. Um, yeah. I mean, we didn't use our phones for everything. You had a camera bag with you everywhere you went. You didn't have laptops. So it was just cumbersome to, it's kind of like how Larry walks around every day with his backpack. <laughs> full of equipment. That's how we all looked, right? I'm glad I could shoulder that weight for you all. (laughs) My back doesn't. You're so vintage, Larry. (laughs) Yes, that hurt a little bit. You know, but now everything's on Google platforms and you can 
you know, start a project at home and pick up later at work. And, you know, you're, we're just very mobile and I don't even have a camera anymore in my life. I mean, all of my photos of my children, they're on my phone, you know? So I just think it's, it's really interesting how, how technology has changed. I mean, you remember film strips and then to VCRs and then DVDs and the speed. Yes. I would have to say. Yes. What used to be, we'll get to you next week. Now it's, we need need to have this out this hour. That's been a challenge to get accurate information to our public in a timely manner because the expectation is that it will be available to them in multiple platforms now. And that's true. We have become an immediate gratification society and probably due to these technology advances, you know, so that it's not to say that it's all roses, but it certainly has aided the communication positions for sure. Well, it's definitely highlighted the the need for people to have the ability to evaluate the sources that the information is coming from because sure. it's like just a, a tsunami of information and mm-hmm. is it valid? Is it not? Where is this? what's the bias here? What's their purpose? So that deciding what's true to somebody is a lot of debate goes into that. Sure. And that's a, that's a new world for sure. Okay. Steffi, last question. What do you got? Last question. Okay. In your free time, what do you most like to do? Well, I mentioned that I love mountain biking. I love hiking. Um, I'm a jogger. I'd like to say I'm a runner, but Um, I think that if there's a pace associated with that term, then I'm definitely a jogger. I've run nine marathons. Okay, that's not jogging. So, well, no, it is jogging. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I should rephrase that. I've jogged nine marathons. No, I don't believe it. So, I've coached a lot of runners through the years, and I actually have a side business um, that I operate running events I've coached a lot of kids, um, but basically distance running for adults has been um, where it's at for me. And did you participate in the zombie run? No, because I was not in town. But if I was in town, I certainly would have. I usually do 5Ks with my kids. Okay. And um, I started, my youngest ran his first 5k right when he was four years old. So, I mean, they've been doing 5k's forever. And I was like, Oh, that would have been such a fun one to do next year for sure. And are you currently training for a marathon? I have run the sure marathon once before, but if I can get in this year, then I will train for that again, just because I'm a local. So I feel like I have to (laughs) kind of do the local run, but generally I don't ever repeat a marathon. So I, I'm not sure yet what my next one will be, but once I moved up here, um, I took a sabbatical from being healthy. My gosh, I'm on a sabbatical too. Same one. It's been several years. (laughs) The Milky Ways. (laughs) Right. So I definitely need to get back on the bandwagon and figure out my goal. If I have a goal, then I can work towards it. If I don't, it's just kind of willy-nilly. So I, I definitely need to figure out if it's going to be Bayshore, and if not, I'll find something fun. So favorite, did you have a favorite out of the nine marathons you've run? 
Disney World was probably best. That was the Goofy's Challenge. So you ran a half marathon the first day, and then you ran the full marathon the second day. And if you did both, then you earned a Goofy medal. So you got three giant medals. That was just fun. I mean, rarely do I run for time. Um, I have also been a pacer for the Grand Rapids Marathon. So that was a really, really fun way to run a marathon because you are simply running it for everyone around you and you lose sight of your own goals because you are there for everybody else. So I spent that entire marathon cheering on everybody else as we were running that suddenly the marathon was like over and I didn't really have the the pain associated with pushing myself. So that was a really cool experience. That's great. Well, I've really enjoyed this conversation, both of you. Thank you. Do you want my tech tool of the week real quick? Okay, so in teaching books, if you're building a reading list and you click on the barcode image, you can scan in the barcode of like, if you have a stack of books in your classroom and it will build you a list with all the resources. So that is my favorite feature of the week in, in teaching books. Love teaching books. We need to go over that one more time in a upcoming pod because I think that's just such a great resource that people don't really know about. All right. Well, thank you, Ginger. And in closing, subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. I'm not fired. I'm already sweating.